it's mission critical software and it's big and complex. And it, it was a huge barrier to entry to get into the market, but now we're in and we're hungry. And there's, and there's a lot of big fat incumbents in this space and we're eating their lunch, frankly, yeah. and we're excited about it. Hello everyone, I'm Abhijat Saraswath and you're listening to the Fringe Legal Podcast. This is a show where I discuss the future of the legal profession with practitioners, thinkers and innovators. The future is of course a topic that's becoming more important than ever, especially in these turbulent times. And I do hope you're all keeping well and safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fringe Legal. I am absolutely excited today to be speaking with Adrian Kamara. Adrian is the CEO of, of Athenian, and today we'll dig into a number of topics. But before we do that, Adrian, thank you very much for joining me. Welcome. Great to be here. Thank you. So let's kick things off with telling us a little bit more about what Athenian does. To my knowledge, it's a cloud-based entity management software. Tell me what that means. Yeah, so entity management, or sometimes called subsidiary management or governance, and in some countries called corporate secretarial or company administration software, really is managing all the ownership, control, compliance, uh, and governance information about business entities or legal entities, corporations, trusts, LLCs, uh, limited partnerships, and then our, our types of business entities. And then as we go to different parts of the world, we start having more exotic flavors of entities. A Dutch BV, a uh, Spanish SA, for example, are some different types of entities. And so our customers are law firms and also legal departments that are typically managing north of 25 or more of these business entities in various jurisdictions. And there's a lot of complexity and workflow uh, associated with all that work. From my limited knowledge of this, I assume this kind of work almost sits between legal compliance, tax, finance, and intersects all of those different functions in a business and a firm. Yeah, that's right. Particularly with our legal department customers, the primary use case of an entity management software is to centralize data that is from various sources. So tax, finance, legal and compliance, as well as governance functions. We'll get into actually some of those differences in a minute and a bit more of the backstory. But as people may have seen, you've recently announced a large funding round. You completed a Series A and stand at total funding of about 10 million Canadian. So firstly, congratulations on that. Thank you. And especially, uh, I was fascinated by the background against which this, this funding was raised. So you started raising in March of 2020. So right in the middle of the global pandemic we're going through, uh, as you raised the funds and you closed in July, I believe, and you didn't meet your investors in person. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about how that came to be, what that experience was like. And certainly from my point of view, it certainly shows promise for the platform going forward. So as you said, so we started the financing in March, started meeting with investors and we closed it. We had uh, negotiated terms in end of May and then funded, went through the due diligence process in June and then funded and fully closed up at the end of June. And so the process was starting in March we had our, we were working with US VCs and the dynamic really was us being based in Canada. It seemed the, the coronavirus, as it was called then, coronavirus pandemic uh, was, was taken a bit more seriously in Canada than it was in the United States. And we saw uh, a bit of a delay with US investors, uh, about a two to, two to four week delay 
from the pandemic really factoring into their decision making about whether they were going to engage or not on the financing. And so that was interesting to see that roll out. And we were actually quite late stage with a couple of potential leads that did pull out. And so early April was fairly nervous for us. There was an obviously an extreme amount of certainty. A lot of our pipeline, our revenue pipeline had essentially frozen because decisions, people, organizations were so busy transitioning from work to home and just just shell-shocked from what what looked like a giant black hole we were entering with, with so much uncertainty. So that was very scary. And really the only thing we could do was continue to have conversations and and just take it day at a time. And that's when we met Arthur Ventures, who was our lead on the deal. They were very fantastic. They were fantastic. So the partner there that we worked with, Patrick Meenan, his view, uh, it, I've never seen somebody so steady during the peak of the pandemic as Patrick. Like a lot of the, a lot of the smartest investors in the world, he's looking past this, looking at, at COVID as an accelerant for B2B cloud applications and um, was very bullish on the whole thing. And we had a fantastic group of existing investors that were very supportive for us throughout that period. And uh, yeah, so that's how we brought the deal together. So it was done completely remote, completely yeah. over Zoom. And uh, I think a lot of it had to do with, we had a great stable of existing investors, a lot of family offices um, and ultra high net worth individuals yeah. that were very supportive. You were, you were um, oversubscribed a number of times. You had to yeah, exactly. Times. Yeah, yeah. So we were oversubscribed and as we went into May, things were starting to stabilize and, and, and some other investors came to the table, including Bruce Croxon at uh, Round 13 Capital based in Toronto, who's also fantastic. I think the lesson learned there was we had done a really good job, even as a seed stage company with investor relations. We always took that very important, very seriously and made a lot of investment into that, extremely transparent with our investors about the good and the bad of the business, frequent updates, strong communication. And that pays off. You get rewarded for that during times of it, of uncertainty. Of, yeah. Of uncertainty. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah. And so that's what we called those chips in. Um, so was your, was your plan initially pre pandemic yeah. to raise around this time period? Or as you yeah. said, much like Arthur Ventures, did you guys see an opportunity to accelerate or the, the fundraising round as well? So we wanted to be closing a deal this summer to go into Q4. The revenue forecast was lining up for us well, and we, and we grew into the forecast. Yeah, so that was the plan. The deal was oversubscribed by the time May rolled around. And, and so we actually doubled the size of the deal. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, really huge congratulations. I think it's Thank a you. great achievement. Talk to me a little bit more about, so as I did my due diligence preparing for this interview, uh, yeah. you, you guys have been around for three years or so since 2017. Yeah. It's you and three other founders. Yeah. And one of the items that I noted that there are two other incumbents in the space. Uh, they are yeah. on-premise uh, platforms, and let's call them. One of the barrier of entries that obviously creates is product-led one and the other one is around thinking through changing and managing the change for the end user. How, how did yeah. you manage that? And you know, is that part of the reason that it took the three-year time period to get to this stage for you? Yeah. So this is a very closed off market. The most of the products in the market, as you said, are on-prem. A lot of them were built in the 90s. One of them was actually built in the 80s. So it's, this is extremely old software. A lot of the vendors have made it 
look like cloud software by hosting it in single tenancy environments and they actually sell it as cloud software. The ethics of that, I'll leave it up to the audience to determine on that. But so yeah, very old software. And the reason why there hasn't been fresh products in the market is because legal entity management systems are extremely large and extremely complex. It's essentially a CRM of data. So that's how you can visualize it with very intricate workflows that are that corporate paralegals and company secretaries execute through. And it's very detailed, very sophisticated workflows. And it's, it's an immense undertaking to build the right product that resonates with the users and is also 10 X better than what they currently have, even if it's on-prem because you know, uh, people won't move and make and go through the pain of making that change unless it's 10 X better. So that took us a good two years to get that right. But once we did, we only started commercializing about 12 months ago, and we've gone from nominal amounts of revenue to many millions of annualized revenue in about 12 months. And, and the, we're being rewarded now for the work, and the market's very excited that there's now a real enterprise-grade cloud entity management software in the market that has consumer-level user experiences in it as well. And so data, as we've been moving customers on, data migration is massive. So we're moving an immense amount of data. It would be equivalent to switching an HR systems or ERP systems. So huge amounts of data. And we do things like lights turn off in the customer account on the legacy product on Friday. We migrate over the weekend, lights turn on in Athenian on Monday. Because our corporate paralegals and company secretaries, they spend five or six hours a day in the entity yeah. management system. It is their ERP. It's mission critical software and it's big and complex. And it was a huge barrier to entry to get into the market, but now we're in um, and we're hungry. And there's, and there's a lot of big fat incumbents in this space and we're eating their lunch, frankly, yeah. and we're excited about it. And our customers are excited to get onto Athenian. Yeah. And there's a couple of things, at least one of the things I want to dig into about before that, I, I know that one of the things that you do in order to assist and support that change is support the customers in moving the data across. So you're basically holding all of that. But of course, the important thing is maintaining and managing the fact that you are a technology company at the end of the day. I think in, in a past interview, you said it's too easy to become a service-based company in legal. Uh, yeah. so really treading that line quite finely is important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things touched on there is having this consumer great user experience. And I think in your, certainly the press release, one of your investors also talked about augmenting the, the workflow for you know, these legal professionals as you are devising the single source of truth from entity management point of view. Yeah. What do you think? Is that a important point, especially as you think about your end user broadly as legal departments and law firms? Yep. Is that an important point in bringing the users with you on this journey to give them that consumer experience that they are used to in, in private lives? Oh yeah, it's huge. A lot of the software that paralegals using was built in the nineties. It looks like the type of software you'd expect to see at the auto mechanic when the beige computer covered in grease. And that's what the software looks like. And if you're spending five to six hours a day in software that looks really old. It's, it's very slow. You get the spinning wheel of death all the time on your computer. It's hard to feel energized and excited about your work when you have all these micro friction points in your day. And so it's huge. It's huge for it to be very modern experiences and really basic things. We're constantly surprised, really basic user experiences that everybody expects in cloud, like drag and drop file to drag it to upload a, a document into our software. Now, you can drag and drop up to 50 files at a time into Athenian. 
in a lot of legacy systems, you have to use like the browser picker right, and you right, can right. only do one, and, and you can only do one document at a time. Mm -hmm. So if you have to upload 50 documents, you have to repeat that file picker times, workflow yeah. 50 times. Yeah. And you know, that if it takes 30 seconds each time to do that, then, you know, you've just wasted 20 minutes. Yeah. Like the consumer grade user experiences are huge. And then we also integrate into other tools that they're using. So we integrate into DocuSign with the first entity management system to integrate into DocuSign. We integrate into Office 365. So we're bringing all this data and all these workflows previously very isolated and fragmented away from the rest of their tools right into the mix and connected into all their other tools. And yeah. so these are all things that are very important to them. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. And I think it also helps with the training aspect If people are used to being able to drag and drop naturally in the browser, which is where they spent more of their time out of everything else then you have to train them a lot less to do those same, same sort of actions. Yeah. Uh, conscious of your time. So one of the last things I did want to touch on, as, as you've now grown quite a lot as a company, you've doubled in size from 20 to 40. And I know I think your aims are to get to 100 by the end of the year or 80 by the end of the year. And of course, the value of the business is a lot more. As CEO, from your perspective, how has your role changed? What are you focused on now that you weren't probably three months ago? Yeah. What's interesting when you transition from different sort of different stages, when you're moving from being a, uh, a team that's trying to become a startup to a startup that's trying to become a scale up, right? Are the different stages, how I think of them. And what's interesting is resources become scarce and how those, and, and, and how those resources and those scarcities change over time. And when you are initially starting, what's scarce is attention attention from customers, attention from investors, and just, and just attention from supporters, right? It takes a lot of emotional capital to get, to get some, to get, to get momentum. And then it transitions into a scarcity of, of customers and capital. And then where we are now, capital is not scarce. We have, we just had an oversubscribed round. We, we have access to very large credit facilities. Customers are not scarce. We have way more customers than we can handle right now, frankly, some days it feels like that. And so what becomes scarce now is getting the right team members. And I, I really didn't understand why talent recruiting was such a big industry until we got to this stage. And you need to be hired. You can only afford at this stage to hire the best people in your company. And the best people are typically very hard to find. And they're typically already engaged doing something else. It's an immense amount of effort to be building teams and optimizing teams. And, and that's really what I'm focused on now is making sure that we're balancing growing revenue with making sure the team's happy with, with, with scaling the team and scaling the systems because you can grow revenue at all costs and not worry about team health. That's a business model, but that's how, you, that's how your company ends up on the front page of the newspaper. And we see that all the time. And obviously that's not a great result for anybody. So it's important to be managing uh, team and team happiness with revenue. And, and that's what I spend a lot of my time working on now. Yeah, no, uh, yeah that, that's awesome. And of course, the, as part of that, you'll also have, I'm sure, global sites to moving out of North America into yeah. the wider world, UK, APAC and otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like exciting things are to come your way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, it was wonderful speaking to you. And if people want to find out a bit more about you, Athenian, what's the best place for them to go to? Yeah, so uh, just go to our website, athenian.com. So A-T-H-E-N-N-I-A-N.com. And there's a lot of information on the website. And if you'd like to book a demo to take a look at the product, you can do that there. Well, thank you so much, Adrian. Wonderful speaking to you. Thank you. Bye.
Before we get started, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Fringe Legal Newsletter. This is a weekly roundup of interesting things. Every Sunday, I send out an exclusive email with three to five of the coolest things we've explored that week. It could include exclusive content, sneak peek at future projects, books, articles, or new hacks. The emails are available only if you subscribe to the newsletter and more than 530 people receive it every single week. You can join up at fringelegal.com newsletter. It's completely free.